0: Folks, you're listening to Blammo. It's Jeremy Kirkland. How you doing? Uh, We got a new season of Blammo, right? Isn't that isn't that great? I, I don't know. First off, do we even care about new seasons anymore? I feel like it, you know it just kind of goes onward, right? Like, what am I going to do? This is season twenty-six. Like, I mean, no, this is season like fourteen. Well, I don't know. Is this podcast going to turn into Law and Order? You know, it's just non-stop. Uh, whatever doesn't matter. How are we all doing? <laughs> Um, if I can process for a moment, look, I, I'm, I'm a clothing fan, as we all know, we all talk about, you know, sustainability and, and, you know, what we want out of a clothing brand in this kind of modern day and age and people will vent and they'll be like, man, you know, I, I, I wish, I wish brands were kind of more like the old days or, 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 remember when, and look, I'll be honest, I've caught myself and others being like, I, I think, I think we're all just happy or being annoyed. It's kind of a nostalgia thing in general where it's just like it's easier to just, you know, complain about the current state of things and uh, say they were better another time, you know, than really enjoy how good things are now. Like, is it more fun to wax poetic and versus learn new things? Uh, Whatever. I'm, I'm not trying to preach here. Maybe I am. But I am far more impressed with many, many menswear brands now more than ever. And one of them is Percival. Founded by Christopher Gov and uh, who's my guest this week. There you go. But uh, they're based out of Britain. They kind of nail, I think, the aesthetic of where we are right now in between this sort of formal and casual, you know, because they do casual. They do the elevated basics. They got new suits, but they're a modern brand and they've done things really, really well. And so I'm pleased to talk with Christopher Gov from Percival. Uh, We get into it. We chat the recent pop-up in New York, getting basics right. Fake hardcore fans, you know they're out there. The influencer world, we got some spicy takes, getting fits off in the pickup line, commercial versus creative, and the multi-year plan. New season of Blamo. Here we go. What'd you have for breakfast?
1: I had a half English.
0: Okay. All right. Which which
1: is the um calorie watching man's full English.
0: Okay. I used to have the I would I would go full English when I would when I would be chilling in Wandsworth.
1: Oh you you um you have some UK based connections.
0: Yeah, I, I worked for uh the beggars group for five years, six years.
1: Oh no way. Oh in um your s- southwest. Right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I was, okay, nice.
0: I didn't know shit for like British vibes or anything. I think my first time uh-huh. coming to the UK was when I worked there. Um,
1: well, so you, turn, you turned up cold and were potentially aghast
0: at our cuisine levels? No, actually, I fucking, I if I could, I would absolutely move my entire family and just live out of the UK for, for sure, easily. Oh,
1: oh, nice. Okay, yeah. I mean, the cultural comparison is always interesting. Obviously, we were in New York last October, we had that pop-up shop on um, Mm -hmm. Spring. Yeah, it was Spring Street, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, I love going to New York. It's an absolutely bonkers ecosystem of people who are crucially like earning loads of money, like barmen. I think mm-hmm. like $90,000. Oh yeah. And um, and then we're just so used to the UK where everyone's like worried about finances, the invasion, because obviously it's a bit closer to us. Uh, we've got the old um, lolsy energy crisis, which people are loving that. <laughs> we have a series of sort of insane, uh, career driven uh, politicians who
0: uh-huh.
1: are just amazing to witness. And so consequently, our is our like not absolutely loving it. And so, you know, you you hear all these things about America, right? Like the things that you hear growing up in the 90s, like land of opportunity, everyone's an opportunist, uh, and people want people to do well. It's just, and it's things I know. I've been to the US a thousand times, but being in our climate for the past 18 months and just going there being like, okay, got to do the pop-up shop. I know it's going to be graft. New York will be fun, but I'm going to come back knackered. As soon as we got there, set up the shop, people are p- poking their head and they're like, hey man, what do you do? Da, da, da. And like, I was like, oh my God, this energy I love. I loved the energy. Everyone wanted to know what we were about. The fact that it was new to a lot of people they loved getting involved and hearing about it, but dude, they were just buying things. <laughs> yeah. But this guy, this guy had it was like <clears> he's got. I got my. I got my first interview next week. Uh, Good American and, accent, and by like, the way. What, what do you think? That's fantastic. I pride myself. Thank you. I pride myself on a, a variety of accents to see how many we can get through okay. without uh, offending. <clears throat> obviously, um, <laughs> he he bought a pair of loafers. We did this collab with um, Chris at Blackstock and Weber. Oh yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. Know if you know him. yeah. Amazing guy. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Chris. But so he he did a pair of loafers for us that had like football studs on, like football spikes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were just they were just a one off because then we had an amazing pair. We had like twenty pairs that we were selling, and this kid just bought a pair of loafers for like four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Bought a jack a jacket for five hundred dollars. Um, I was just mind blown, and this is day one, and he's like twenty one, and this is just his buying it to go to an interview. And you just, I was so unused to that. Here, the guy comes in, even a fan of the brand, three, four times, browses around, waits for payday. And I said, man, the economic ecosystem here around fashion is consumed totally differently on all levels from like fast through to like, what is a considered purchase? You know, we're not premium or luxury, but it's still you know, it's a $500 jacket. Got to think about that. But the, the guys were just like, I'll take two. This one lad just took two jackets and I swear they didn't even fit it. But um, hey, I loved it. I loved it. I loved New York when I went. Little and often, I think, is the thing.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny that that's the impression you have of kind of like the, the New York shopper, because I feel like that stuff happens when you're new, right? Okay. If you're yep. if you're new, people want the new thing. And I do think that when you're in that area, because you guys were basically kind of like Soho, Noita area.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: There's this vibe of, I don't, I don't know, especially with kind of like this, the younger guys, I think we're kind of in the sweet spot now where, and when I say younger, I mean, like, I don't know, elder Gen Z, if that's a thing, I, I don't know. But like, you know, guys in their mm. 20s, um, you know, early 30s, and I guess it's millennial stuff too, but there's there's this um, understanding of craft and cost and pricing into which, you know, I remember when I worked at the Armory in New York, yeah. you'd have old dudes come in that were just totally loaded, you know, their, their, their car mm. and driver would be outside and they'd walk in and they'd be like, wow, $600 for a pair of shoes? Oof. And I'm like, dude, mm. your car is half a million dollars outside and mm. you have a person who's driving it. Like,
1: yeah, you spend money just idling out yeah, there. Yeah, exactly.
0: Wait. And and so you're like, hmm, that, that's kind of weird. And I feel like some of those some of that mindset, I mean, of course, you would have other guys that would come in and basically just like ask if they could shut the store down and just bring their family in and shop. But the average person like didn't really get it uh, of, mm. of like the older sort of rich guy but i feel like the, the new sort of younger guy gets it where it's like yeah shoes are four or five hundred bucks um a jacket mm. is like 500 to a thousand bucks a shirt is 200 mm. 300 bucks and mm. it's i think the younger guys get it more now than ever well i
1: think so i think there's two things there one is that i think brand loyalty is so different now yeah I mean, there was this huge report came out, might the Business of Fashion, about how people now are no longer just insanely loyal to one brand. They look to every single brand to give them what they need. Yeah. So they'll curate, you'll curate themselves across a series of things and actually a series of price points. And I think, I mean, I'm, are you a millennial like me?
0: Yeah, I'm 38.
1: Okay, I'm 40, so okay. like we can we're like graying out the other end yeah. but gr- growing up in like the 90s and noughties and consuming clothes it was completely different i think like not to be like the 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 remember when but i remember in the way that films would portray demographic segments of people like goths skaters preppy like it was so funny and i was like clearly defined and as and the older you got you were just loyal to the brands and even when i started percival 10 years ago even when it was just like me doing a side hustle people were like oh you're like ymc and oliver spencer and folk cool and that was like and that was like the cohort of brands that i was just bonk in because it was like contemporary men's yeah and it was independent and I used fabric from Japan. And so like you'd get, and, and you will remember this, like that might, you know, people would come in with like red, the Red Wing boot call. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And and that was the menswear crowd. Yeah. Like, do you have a, a selvage uh, Japanese denim jacket? And do you have Red Wings? That was your call. And menswear didn't fall outside of that. And then down the road, people just queued for Supreme. And then they were just like, those people would never cross pollinate Ever, Yeah. And as people of that age, we've for the past 10, 15 years, like having seen all sides, have to come back around to putting both putting it all together and understanding that actually curate your style from like a myriad of different brands because you're not defined by a thing. And the understanding of sustainability, we've had to learn later. Mm -hmm. whereas people 15 years younger than us have just grown up with everything yeah consuming it when they want how they want allowed to pick and choose and i think for the first time like looking at all the paris fashion stuff that's coming out it's like super 90s it's like 90s dad Mm -hmm. and it's like the first time i'm like wow i genuinely remember that the first time like i was a teenager i remember that that's how yeah i mean i guess i'm just saying i'm old as hell but the it's just Gen Z seemed to get it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're totally right with that because, you know, also now it's like a death rattle to wear head-to-toe mm. in one brand. Like, if you walk in yeah. to any place you're hanging out with your friends and you're head-to-toe, whatever, coolest oh, brand yeah. ever, LV, whatever you want to say, and people are like, mm. okay, so you're just rich, you know? Full kit wanker. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like, if you have that stuff, it's not, it's not cool at all. Now it's got to be cool, like, okay, I have you know, this, this jacket or this thing is vintage or this, you know, and it's Mm. weird now, especially with people, you know, I came uh, across this when people were like, oh, I'm trying to get some Levi's silver tab. And I was like, those were the jeans that I had. That I got a JCPenney and they mm-hmm. and I was like not cool enough because everyone was wearing diesel. And so like, why why would I ever want Silver Tab? You know? Yeah. I mean, I'll wear 501s, I'll wear that stuff. But even then, I was just like, no, man, Silver Tab's whack. Like, that was a lesser brand. That was like not as good. It's like all of a sudden people want to collect chaps, you know, Ralph Lauren chaps. Mm. And it's just like, dude, that was the broke boy thing. Like, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah yeah and it's it's really switching your mindset and being super open and I can be quite closed in exactly the same way I have to really force myself to be open creatively I'm like ah oh, actually literally anything goes and that I see street style coming out of London a lot and it's like if you haven't curated or or like spent hours mining or finding or searching for that one vintage piece you were looking for then you have just bought it all off the rack and it's like Sorry, you have nothing's vintage. Like, then you're not individual at all. Yeah. And I think, you know, 10 years ago, I remember thrifting super hard in the first round of indie sleeves. Maybe when I first moved to London, must have been like 2008. We're talking like strokes, whatever. Yeah. And it was like winkle, winkle picker brogues, uh, tight jeans. Like, we all would have remembered that. But that's when everyone was thrifting so hard. And you had like little 70s shirts and Parker jackets as well. Yeah. And uh, thrifting just went, it just wasn't a thing for so long. And now it's back so hard. I think it's tied to sustainability and owning the clothing life cycle, which is an amazing part of it. But for the cool kid, it's like, wait, you haven't thrifted. What the hell is wrong with
0: you? Yeah. Yeah. Especially with things like people being more comfortable buying stuff on, you know, Depop or, or yeah. online yeah. or, you know, I mean, any of that stuff. Like I remember when I, so my first time I came out to, um, came out to London was in 2008. And the folks at the XL office. So it was like Caius, Pawson, and okay, yeah, yeah. they were like, oh, you should go down here and get yourself like a vintage barber. And I was like, mm-hmm. why the fuck would I want vintage like <laughs> these things I'll just buy? Old- yeah. I was <laughs> just buy a new one, don't worry about it. Yeah, that. <laughs> I was like, this smells like an old, you know, like some old boot. Like I, I don't want this. Mm. And in my head, I was like, Oh, they're sizing me up because they feel like I can't I can't flex with them, like I don't have the money. Mm. You know, and, yeah. and, and immediately I mean, of, of course, you know, this is like much younger, you know, dumb Jeremy. And I was like, no, no, no. I want to look like Pete Doherty. And they were like, fuck, no, you don't want to be Pete Doherty. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah I do. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> they're like, what? You're not going to get Wellies or any of these things. Like, no, no, no. They're like, go get the vintage barber. And I got it. And I was like, OK, I feel like I'm cool. But at the same time, it was funny because I was like, I feel like I should just go buy a, a new one. And so I, I got it. I took it back to my hotel. I put it away. And then I went down the street and bought like a a new one, like a, a quilted okay, one. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, So because I I was like, well, you know, they gotta know that I can afford the the new one anyway. And it was just it was so stupid, but like thinking like that now, um, you know, especially yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I think there was just no kudos in. Like I remember buying
1: my first vintage barber and I remember a good friend of mine who'd been in London already for a couple of years being like, right, dude, you're just really dressing like you're from like a county, like a real county dressing. Like where are you from originally? uh, Southampton. Okay. So South coast, yeah, yeah. just like an hour and a half out of London. Right. And my parents live in Brighton. So Brighton, Southampton. So good areas, coastal areas, but you're Southern, like a proper Southerner. Yeah. Really lovely coast. Get to, get to... To um, London, I'm just dressed like head to toe, just like crap pop punk <laughs> skate. Just because, I don't know, it was just like a phase. I remember going to uni and I went to an art uni in Bristol and then I studied in Hong Kong because I was bored of the UK. And I just remember like going through phases and trying different stuff. And I was like, do you know what? This summer, I'm going to be a skater. Don't you worry. Prep stuff goes in, bin, thrifted Hong Kong stuff, and amazing stuff that I probably threw away. Yeah. I've gone full skate and I've turned up and my friend's like, oh my God, we've got to go Camden market, which is now yeah. it's like, you wouldn't, you just wouldn't go there. And Camden markets is like famous for sort of nefarious characters. And also like bleach flicked onto like pretty poorly made jeans. Uh-huh. But, cru- but, cru- but crucially there was an area that was just doing vintage brogues, women's jeans that they got off the back of a truck and put men's sizing in. Um, old, uh, like, you know, like old Armalux, um, Stripe kind of.
0: Yeah, like Breton Stripe.
1: Yeah, Breton Stripe, Armalux Breton Stripe, but like ones that are genuinely for sailors, not like Mm -hmm. propagated now for like contemporary men's uh, and then old barbers. And he was like, dude, this is your uniform. You get your brogues from that guy. You get your women's jeans from that guy. Your your Armalux Stripes there. And then I came away with a Navy barber. And in like a day I'd switched and I was like, right, when's the new Strokes album coming out? And it's just, it's just like, but I feel like you have to go through all of those different, you know, take on all those roles. I I feel like if people grow up and say that they were just sort of into these different fashion brands and curating themselves from a young age, I don't believe
0: it. You just, uh, there's so much pressure to follow trends. That's exactly what I was doing. And no, I, I totally agree. And I think now people lean on that. Like I said this on, I don't remember where, but like all these people that talk about how they grew up loving hardcore and being into hardcore. Mm. I think maybe mm. only 2% of them are telling the truth because there's no way to check the receipts on that stuff. And I no. think the majority of all these like subcultures that people said that they loved, where it's like, you were aware of it, but you weren't really into it. Like- Oh, no way. No way. Yeah.
1: Like, I, I, I must, I swear I had a Linkin Park hoodie, which now, you know, would go for tons yeah. on, on the vintage if I, or Depop, but, you know, an OG from like 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think just owning how crap you may have been is part of the journey to like understanding everything. Yeah. Like I remember discovering. Um, that Carhartt was a genuine workwear brand, not Whip, which is the European sort of subsidiary that they bought the license and it does its own thing. It's amazing. Uh and but going, I've got some family that weirdly live in Montana. Okay. And which is like and every American I speak to and I say that, they're like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but that's cool.
1: <laughs> it's just like, yeah part of my mum's side of the family they'd moved there whatever 50 years ago and they still live there that's whatever you know you just don't talk about religion or politics fine sure uh but going into the thrift stores there and just seeing like amazing pendleton blankets amazing uh like car hearts so you
0: went and visited like
1: yeah yeah i've been a few times okay like it's beautiful yeah it it's is. an amazing beautiful place uh, you know, everyone everyone has their problems. Uh but the, the the vintage stores there, I was like, oh my god, if I could bring this back, the money I could make on these like Pendleton blankets for like seven dollars that are just fifty years old. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was an absolute mind blow.
0: It's it's so weird. I mean, it to, to go on the Percival stuff, like, do you think now when you design collections and you guys are working with the stuff that you're doing? Obviously when people make lookbooks from any brand now, they're doing head to toe that brand, right? You're hmm. you know, Three sixteen does head to toe three sixteen you know et cetera et cetera love three sixteen but, but no one I, I mean I think it's pretty rare to see someone wearing head to toe in any one brand anymore so like knowing that your customer will probably never do that mm. how do you how does that affect your design
1: so I think like about two years ago I well. Yeah, a year and a half. Mm -hmm. I really felt like not trying to bring in specific fashion stuff all the time that would wear for a season or two and be so specific that it would be known that you'd want to switch it out. Like I love application. I'm from like a craft background. So I love embroidery, screen print. I used to have two studios that used to do that kind of stuff. So for what that comes out a lot in garments that end up looking quite specific for a season, which a lot of brands do. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of Work internally on trying to get a selection of basics, right? That someone, a tier of customer could just buy into and that could cut in with the range. Yeah. Kind of say cut in with the range because it is like, for example, there's a Levi's 615 orange tab, like you said from the 90s, that was like the dumb fashion gene of the 90s. But there's like thousands of them still on eBay. But I'm wearing them right now and it's just a perfect straight leg and they're like 15 quid on eBay. And so it's like, okay, that's the gene that can cut in with all this amazing embroidery or this like an interesting custom wool or this fleece jacquard that I've done. But we just need that nice jean because that jean can go throughout and actually crucially go with a different brand as well. Mm -hmm. So... That ideology, it's called auxiliary is how I branded it in my mind and ended up branding the sub range that because it's like, what's your backup bit that can cut in with every piece? So we've got just a standard flat wash jean coming out. And it's not like the 316, like, you know, you're denim, da, 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 which they are perfect. At. I love that brand. It's just like, this is the jean you don't think about. You put it on, you put it with anything. And the same with a straight leg, stay press trouser. The same with like a really heavyweight organic cotton fisherman's knit. Mm-hmm. The same with a, a full wool navy fleece. So there's now about 30% 30 of the range that I'm just like, you almost don't need to know. It's not really branded in any way. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I've put loads of effort into sourcing everything in the best way I can, making it the best way I can. And if you know, you know, when you just wear it. And so I wanted those things to last for at least minimum two, three years for people, because I started to have this itch as well about if I'm designing things that are so specific all the time, they're going to come and they're going to go. And then I just feel Genuinely bad about that, even though we do make stuff well and we do have to charge for it. It's made in great factories, but like if it's a very sort of like Bodhi, like one shirt from Bodhi, yeah. Two two years later, you know that's that Bodhi shirt from two years ago, and then you're like, ah, can I even wear that? Yeah. So is that any is that different to fast fashion? You know, I'm going to start some massive thing now people are going to hate on me, but trying to think about ways where clothes can last. Can it last? For longer even visually so so yeah that's to, to solve that look problem you have some seasonal looks that you can really hang the press off mm-hmm. hang the wholesale off but then is there some core bits that can just cut through and you know because not every guy wants that crazy fleece either that's the other
0: thing yeah i mean i thank you for acknowledging that because i think it's uh it's pretty rare into which you know a, a lot of these brands that you know we talk about or mention or anything most of them are carried by their you know, basics for lack of a better term, um, Mm. where it's like, yeah, the, the, the hoodies, the t-shirt, the jeans, the, the, the crew neck sweaters, the whatever. And yeah, because I mean, you can't, I mean, you're right. Like anything Bodhi, I don't know, anything Bodhi, I'll just hate on Bodhi. Yeah.
1: anything. You're just like,
0: I I don't know. It it gets, it's pretty dated after a while. So you have to find something else to, I don't know. I don't think you're going to see the regular dude wearing that and keeping it they're going to get it and they will be wealthy enough to put it somewhere so it can sit for five to 10 years. And then they'll bust it out. And people like, Oh, I remember that. That's cool. Thanks for the trip down memory lane. As they all wear a standard crew neck sweater or, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, I I look at what I actually buy. And this year I wrote down, I was like, okay, what, what did I purchase? And all the stuff I purchased are like, you know, higher rise trousers, a crew neck sweater, a sport Mm -hmm. coat, you Mm -hmm. know, loafers, nothing, even, even what I'm wearing right now, I won't mention, you know, on it, like that was a gift. It's great, but there's no way that I'm going to wear this for years and years. It, it just, no. it's too, it's too loud.
1: Yeah. You've got two, two seasons, two winters, maybe yeah. at best. Yeah. And then it's going to go in the back of your, well, actually you've just done a big sale out after you? you've cleaned it out recently.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm in the process of uh, getting rid of even more. I have two more, two more bags of clothes that are just, I mean, I don't know yeah. what the fuck I'm doing. But
1: isn't it, isn't it addictive though? Like, yeah. I don't know. You're a hoarder though, but I I've only just started using, like, resale platforms. And I just, I'm so addicted. I mean, I own an e-com business and I sell stuff, right? right. So it, should be, it shouldn't be news to me. But I was, I was putting stuff up and selling. I was like, to my, to my wife, I was like, babe, I'm making money here. And she was like, yeah, dude, that's your job you do anyway. You can't have a side hustle that's your main job. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I increasingly own less and less stuff that isn't Percival just because I, I wear trial or whatever, whatever, whatever. But I've got an amazing Our Legacy lambskin zip shirt that I bought when I went to LA must have been eight years ago and this was like when Our Legacy was just a bit different to it is now you know mm-hmm. it's, it kind of evolved I think people forget what Our Legacy was compared yeah. to now Um, you know lovely guys amazing brand what they've done is like the holy grail of of like commercial versus conceptual uh, and still ubiquitous enough that people are like I want Our Legacy and I just I bought this shirt I mean God knows how I fit in it it was it's so skinny I like kind of get my arm in it I don't know what I was thinking but I I slapped that on Vint and I was like yeah Our Legacy Legacy, that's going to go. And Sif just got my phone. My wife, she just deleted it. She was like, you you stop selling everything like that. Our legacy jacket is amazing. It's like from 10 years ago, it's going to be worth so much money. Just keep it. Why are you selling stuff? So yeah, I just got addicted to selling. I think I'm addicted to selling things, man.
0: Well, I, I think it's also just the changeover. And I think that's one thing you can educate people all the time about, you know, sustainability, but people in a way want a wardrobe change or some sort of thing that's within their control psychologically Mm -hmm. that they can change Mm -hmm. and they can alter at will to feel better about things that what they can't, you know? And so clothes are the perfect medium for that. And so no matter Mm -hmm. how much we educate folks on, it's like, no, but you need to be sustainable or this is wasteful or this or that. It's like, it doesn't matter because people are going to continue to want new things and that will help them escape the things that they can't. And like, I admit it, because I'm like, well, fuck, like I hate all my clothes. And it's like, well, really, all these clothes are great. And someday I'll like them again. But at the same time, I'm yeah. like, no, move on, you know. And then, I, mm. of course, I'll buy it back. I literally got rid of two sport coats that were blue and they were nice. You know, I had a cashmere one that was really, really nice from a British tailor. And then I had another one that was from these, you know, Italian dudes. I just won't name any names purposely. And uh, I immediately messaged the tailor that I would like to buy from, who cuts in a slightly different style and was like, hey, I want to talk to you when you're here next. These are the things I want to order. And I wrote like Navy hopsack jacket, Navy cashmere jacket. And they were like, great. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I just I literally just threw out thousands of dollars of stuff only to message yeah. someone asking if I can purchase it again. So, but I think
1: you, you, in deep down as well, you're a collector. Yeah, like you, you love, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not Pokemon, but it's like clothes. <laughs> and I'm the yeah. same. Like I love collecting and curating like your own style. Like that challenge every morning and like what look am I going to put together? Although actually, you did admit that you just like putting on the same stuff. Well, but, but I,
0: it's it's the same in a in a category, but it's definitely not the same. I mean, I could yeah, tell you yeah. ten thousand differences between this. You know, salito jacket and yeah, this whatever, yeah, 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 so, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah, I want to dress like an extra in the crown, I mean, what the fuck is wrong with me it's it's <laughs> but it's the truth
1: I accidentally dressed like Princess Anne yesterday, I was just trying to have a smart day. I don't know if you ever do that where you you wake up with a bit more confidence and you're like, uh-huh. do you know what I'm gonna fucking push it today, man, yeah, I'm gonna go with this th- I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put that light blue mohair crew on uh-huh. I'm going to have a I'm going to have a little uh, Oxford collar poking out. Oh it. yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to get the I'm going to get the pleated trouser mm-hmm. and then I'll go downstairs so I'm already dressed like fucking Harry Styles or something yeah. on tour. And then I go downstairs and like I've got loafers I've got a three I've got the Blackstock and Blackstock on Webber. I've got I've got my uh, nice like, GH Bass mm-hmm. and then then I've also got um like a boat shoe that's like some what is it GH Bass collab boat shoe and I'm t- t- toying between the three. Meanwhile, my kid's like late for school and missing this, missing like the early drop off breakfast. And Mm -hmm. she's like, um, my wife's like, they look the same. No one on the planet is going to look at your shoes and go, oh, he chose the GH bass over the black stock and weather today.
0: (laughs) But to me, it's everything. Yeah, I know. I mean, that literally happened to me this morning. No, no shit. Like, so my kids get up. I, uh, I spend more time getting dressed than they do. And it's, no one gives a shit. I literally, and because I don't live in New York anymore, you know, I'm, I go there like once a month or whatever. I'm like, my, my runway is the fucking school drop-off line. (laughs) And guess what? (laughs) Not a single person cares about what I'm wearing. And I, yeah, I I roll up and I'm like, dude, I got this sick old vintage glove roll. I got this, you know, I got this old, you know, Tweed coat, you know, and all I do is I walk up and I say. Have a good day Harriet. Love you. And yeah, yeah. walk away and no one even looks up. They're all in their cars or they're on their phones with their under armor and their big American yeah. flag Punisher shirts. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is that what you have there? What? As as the da- as the dad, well we just we discussed this a lot like the drop-off dad outfit. Yeah. And it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, like I live in I live in Essex, which is like your equivalent of where you are. Yeah. But then, but I can get the tube in in half an hour. I'm not sure if you can. But the the drop, the, the dad's where I am, right? So I do the same. I pull up in the gear, I drop her off. Yeah. And, but they're not on their phones because there's not that. They're just looking at me like, who oh, the fuck is this absolute plonker <laughs> turning up in like my baby blue mohair. And like this morning... Like, and when Freya says goodbye, she goes, bye daddy. I love how soft your jumper is or something. Like she'll always comment on it because she knows Percival. She's starting to understand what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the dad uniform where I am is like golf core, probably. So it's oh. like a light blue nylon zip neck. Yep. But the zip is like a zip right yeah. up high. Um, and then there'll be like a training short, as if they're potentially about to do a job that involves exercise. Mm-hmm. Which I just can't I can't believe is true based on their physiology. I'll say no more. Yep. Um, and then a trainer, and the trainer can either vary from like some insane Nike Dunk collab trainer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which which they're like hopping over puddles because they don't want to get messed up, or just like real fucking on running.
0: Oh God, I can't stand on. Can't stand it. Sorry, sorry <laughs> on anyone i'll just be honest i think on is the fucking worst it's the worst brand on the face of the earth if the logos are bad it, the, everything about it is bad I'm, I'm sorry how
1: i mean what What i'd say is it's so admirable how have they how have they done it i'm like what is source Well, fedora but what source have you used to make every dad on the planet wear that but then yeah <laughs> and then the fashion dad wears a uh, fear of god essentials hoodie yeah and there's that like, Yeah. Yeah. Fear of God essentials hoodie. Like I cannot move in Essex without being like seeing that fear of God essentials, essentials, essentials.
0: Okay. So let's unpack this. I do want to talk more about Percival, but I think this is also really interesting. Wait, wait, wait wait a second. I got to get my bids in on the bezel app, but more on that in, in a minute. I get all sorts of emails and questions from you all, which I love to read and respond. And one thing I constantly get and even read in the Blamo Slack is what watch should I buy and where should I get it? It's a wild world out there with all sorts of websites and shops, but I go to Bezel. Bezel is the trusted marketplace for buying and selling your next luxury watch with expert in-house authentication on every purchase. First off, folks, it's getbezel.com. That's getbezel.com. But I use and recommend Bezel because it's the best of both worlds. You can go to the site and browse a marketplace of luxury watches, over 16,000 of them, by the way, which is a lot. And I know that bezel is going to authenticate your purchase, or you can create an account and get connected with your own private client advisor called the concierge. Because look, making a watch purchase can be confusing, especially when you don't know all the reference numbers. When was this made? Did they use ceramic then? Is it a triple op? dingle top? You know, what the heck? I don't even know but they do at bezel and they're here to help concierge baby. Look, if looking for your watch to mark a special occasion, or maybe you're just doing research, right? They even have their own journal where you can learn all the ins and outs about bezel and the brands and all the stuff that's happening right now. But back to my bids. Yes, bezel now has auctions and not just any auctions. They got Rolex, they got Cartier, they got Audemars Piguet, all the big dogs and more so you can discover, bid, and know the Bezel team has got your back with verified in-house authentication. So visit getbezel.com on your smartphone or computer, Bezel, the trusted marketplace for buying or selling your next luxury watch. How does a brand like Fear of God blow up in their sub brand? You know, so like who are are the dads that are seeing that or the whatever older guys, are they seeing Fear of God and they're like, oh, I'll just settle for Essentials. Or is there a certain place that they're shopping that has it? Is there, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, yeah I like know, the essence orders for Fear of God, I think was over, was like $50 million. Like it's, it's, yeah, I mean, nuts.
1: I mean, I, I don't know. Again, it's an amazing, and that's that auxiliary thing that we were yeah. talking about with Percival is what they've done with essentials. It's like, okay, we've created an amazing brand, Kudos. So how, what's the entry level thing we can do? Uh, we'll brand it essentials, but it's just like a taupe or like a coffee colored matching set mm-hmm. and just, people will go crazy for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, how have you made taupe and the word essentials with like quite wide kerning? Mm-hmm. Like I used to be graphic design for years. So like, I'm always looking at like tracking and kerning. I'm like, the kerning on that is just too wide. <laughs> like I can't, just, dyslexics will struggle with the kerning. On, on, yeah, on the, yeah on you're the right. Logo. Uh, but I don't know how it's blown up. I think like, because you get like the end like we have end you know really great Mm multi-brand here independent it's opposite our store actually and they carry some amazing stuff like the curation is great i think because they do from contemporary all the way to streetwear, and it really it's really like on it but they carry essentials so that's the entry-level thing for the guy the guy goes there it's gotta be that's his entry-level thing he can buy into the culture without even
0: thinking twice yeah i mean it's because there are the people that i see that like will give me the head nods on like my watch or, or my jacket or whatever they're wearing clothes like essentials that and I mean and I'm just again all honesty like I don't want to be associated with it like because in my head I also know how they behave around their kids around other stuff and I see them like I don't know this is you know like being a parent or some sort of person that I don't want to be around even political stuff that I'm just like no oh, man right. don't give me the head nod on your essentials shit because you also like A, B, C, and D, which respectfully is not something that I want to, you know, be a part of. And I huh. recognize the division and how absurdly pathetic that is. Like I will, I will take the L on on the closed mindedness that I have. Uh, no pun intended. You know, yeah, I th- it's weird. Yeah, no, I get that.
1: <laughs> I think like the, the U.S. in its positions ideologically, like your the your man your, your guys turning up in the Punisher t-shirts. Yeah like i just know that guy i think you know this is like tarnished with a brush Mm -hmm. but i feel like i know what their opinion is on a few things yeah but but listen hey listen we're talking about white guys so we can kind of say what we want right they've sucked for so many years centuries decades millennia of white guys have sucked yeah so i think we're fine we're not maligning a small yeah (laughs) very true But if, but if yeah if Punisher t shirt turns up, I'm th- I think I'm okay to probably not have the conversation. But there's a few guys, and the guys that really interest me, like in the dad cohort, are guys that have not really put any effort in. Because then I think, okay, you're my guy. Oh, because okay. I th- because I know I can convert you. And it's just something where you've grown up in life and you've grown up around people who don't care about style, who are just like purely functional, who you've never, your job doesn't mean you've had to ever consider it. And actually for me and for Percival, that is a huge captive audience because no one is beyond learning. I think if you learn to dress well or dress comfortably and elevate yourself, it can just make such a difference to you. Like uh, one of my weird internal mantras is making forest green, the new Navy Mm. just because as, as a growth goal, it makes it, it's such a wearable color. Imagine if it's way more, you know, and, I'm I'm a realist, not an idealist. So I can't say like mustard, like I love mustard rust. I love cobalt blue. There's lots of, you know, I love a cornflower cool blue at the moment, but I can't, people aren't, you know, th- there's no money in getting people to wear that. And yeah. that I can like be crazy and try and design stuff with all my colours and textures and have a nice palette and an, uh, and an idea and concept it comes from. But ultimately... If I can get the forest, if I can get the navies dressing in forest and I can get the people who don't care dressing in the Navy, then that is a captive audience. And so that was like a weird mantra I had when we released our linen suit two years ago. Mm -hmm. And forest green is now the best selling linen suit we have over the summer. I have this issue with summer that men dress like teenagers. So I was like, how can we get men to not dress like teenagers? They just put on like tight white t-shirts and like goofy shorts or like Tommy Bahamas. I'm like, okay, they're, they're making decisions at some point to put that on. Where do we intercept that decision and go, by the way, you can dress like fucking Don Johnson. You can dress like Tony Soprano. You can dress like... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of my mission at the moment to sort of get people who don't care to start caring because it empowers them so much.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely does. I mean, I carry myself differently whenever I'm wearing something, whatever, you know, even for the, the 10, 15 minutes I'm, I'm standing outside. But yeah. one thing I was, I was curious about, So with Percival and your background, so you you come from like an advertising background, graphic design, more of an understanding of that. And I think, and this is not a knock on Percival at all, but it's a very, in a good way, like approachable brand and not Mm -hmm. that like, I feel like I can shop the brand, browse the brand, and I don't feel like the brand's talking down to me, you know what I mean? Where there's certain brands, you know, I'll pick on like Gucci, for example, where people are like, I'll Mm -hmm. never be cooler than that brand or I'll never be as cool as that brand. And I feel like with Percival, there's stuff there that you're like, oh, I can enter this a little bit easier because it's I'm not like the brand doesn't look down on me. And with with like yeah. the advertising background that you have, like, was that intentional? Was that like how, how did that come about?
1: I am. Um- I guess I, I truly believe it's harder to make things commercial than make them cool. And people will always argue with me about that. Making something conceptual is the easiest thing on the planet because you it's just something in your own head and you just got to get it out. Mm-hmm. Making people like that is really difficult. Making lots of people like one thing is really difficult. Like the fear of God essentials. Like how, how have they done that with On? How have they done that? Yeah. Now, okay, it might just be tons of money at that point. Possible and we don't have that but i think like what i found early on in the early days of doing percival there's two iterations the first one is like me just doing it as a side hustle having a shop on berwick street not having any money trying to do wholesale which doesn't make sense because you can't make any money from wholesale no margin you could go away yeah and then liberty are like not liberty who was it fennec i think 90 day terms or something you're like jesus, jesus i can't how do i even feed myself yeah um and so But what I'd have in the store is guys would come in to the store back then. And that's the Red Wing guy, like the OG. Like if you put Seenster in like an AI mid journey, it will still give you like a mustache dude with a fixed gear bike. Yeah. Like, (laughs) which is so funny that like AI still thinks Seensters are like from 2007. (laughs) But those guys those guys would come in and they would really struggle to like let go of, and I'd say like, Hey man, that looks great on you. And they'd like stiffen up mm. or they would, like their their mate they'd be like oh oh hey, hey, darren what do you think of this and he'd be like it's all right and they just can't compliment each other and then they, and then i'd get someone finally to the till and they'd go to, oh, mate do you know what i need to take a picture to see what my girlfriend thinks about it and they'd have to get validation from the girlfriend before they even bought something mm. and that was about a year and a half of having that store until we closed it and then i liquidated and restarted the brand and went full-time and changed the business model and everything but the one thing i took to the next stage i was like guys are fucking weird about it yeah they can't just say hey dude you look great mate that looks fucking banging on you yeah because and thankfully now fast forward eight years i think it's really changed and what's come with that is the casualization of the office so like guys could hide in their suit they could just go well everyone wears a suit they hide in the suit yeah And then on the weekend, they didn't have the care. And that has now changed so much. And so my thing was, how can I get people to feel like they can just come into the shop and not worry about not knowing about menswear? And if they already know, how can I then give them more? No knock on any of these brands. And because I think, you know, what Amelie and Dore have done, you walk in that store now, though. I can't walk in it without feeling like someone's going to eye stab me. Yeah. (laughs) Now that store, what they've done is amazing. Don't at me, anyone. That's amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. Pray, pray. You're great. You're great. But I just wanted to think like, how can I be the absolute opposite of that? Like come in the store and we have, we do do coffee. We do have beer. We have a bar. Sure. We have like a basically like a pub in there. And I was like, but people just come in and have a don't pay for it, just have a beer, sit down, have a chat. Like, what's the most relaxing thing that British people could do is they go to a pub, kind of make like a shop pub. And I'm not charging you for my beer, come and have the beer. And then we'll talk about the clothes. It just so happens to be a place where we talk about. Clothes, and I think like I want people to feel like Percival's just their mate that they can just ask a question to, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm always on the socials. And we had a sample sale the other day. I'm always down the queue, just talking to everyone, or on the tills, or I go to the shop. I just think like I want people to feel comfortable about asking questions about how to dress better, and if they already know, then yeah, we can get into like the the you know the level up stuff. The, the, the right. you know if you want to start talk start, start talking about like other brands, vintage bits the way the reaver falls to set in sleeve. Yeah, let's get into that. But so I think as menswear heads, we forget that we're like 1% and like there's 99% who are just like, oh yeah, Johnny Punisher t-shirt. Yeah. Like, man, honestly, come have a beer, Punisher. And <laughs> I'll just show you some fundamentals that are going to change your life.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's one of the weird things of, of well, I guess good and bad things of, of some of the social media stuff. In so I used to be this kind of like, celebrity stylist for a few different bigger dudes. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. knowing how insecure they were and because they're like, well, people view me as X and if they, if okay. they knew the truth that I wasn't confident in this, this, and this, which in in a weird way, I think that's great now. Like it, we're at this mm. part of this like generation where it's okay to admit that like, you don't understand and you can learn and people have this empathetic relationship towards you. And, um, but like now where you have social media stuff, it's like, Hey, here's how to wear a suit. Here's how this thing should fit. Like, here's, you know, this is what drape means. Like the amount of people yeah. that are like, Hey, you know what? Like. I don't want to, what does drape mean? You know, when they're just like, oh, like, well, what's, what's a British shoulder? What's, you know, what's, you know, what's mm. canvas, all these different things that I think the anonymity of social media makes it easy to kind of live in that yeah. world. The yeah. same reason where, you know, the biggest Kindle book was that Fifty Shades of Grey, because no one could see what you were reading if you held it, you know, if you read it in a fucking Kindle, you know, where it's like, hey, that's cool. I'm going to read this shit book. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one could see the fucking cover. Yeah. But I think about that yeah. a ton because it just makes things, you know, I don't know. It's like Tom York wearing rag and bone, you know, mm. it's because I bet he was just like, man, where do I get some like regular jeans? I don't want anyone to know that like, you know, I'm going to kind of get this clown brand right now. I, I don't know. I think about that a lot. Well,
1: yeah. I I agree. And I think that I don't know how it's like the influencer ecosystem for women is different to men. And it's the gap is closing because I have a few friends that do influencer stuff. Yeah. And one specifically, she, her ecosystem from wearing to buying for brands is so powerful. They see it one click they buy. right? And with men's, I always sort of felt like, you know, men just don't shop like that. They just don't shop like that. And then I, so we didn't use influencers for a while and a, a lot of them reach out and we would still gift and we don't see like the that immediate traction and then we had this. Um, I'm sure you know about this uh, Chris Evans wearing one of our knit shirts mm-hmm. um, at uh, the Buzz Lightyear premiere. And the amount of sales from that shirt alone almost immediately, and it's not paid, you know, this um, stylist, Ilaria. Yeah, Ilaria. Urbanati, yeah, yeah she's, she's amazing. Like, she's just like an absolute tour de force. And it shows with like the, the the huge clients that she has. And she has such a great eye. And, you know, she has this Italian heritage that she was, we were talking about recently. And she put it on him and we didn't know about it. And we just saw all these sales come through. And I was just trying to get my head into like, what guy is seeing that and going, that's for me. <laughs> and I'm looking, I'm looking down the, I'm looking down the list, just random segmentation of like Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Nebraska, uh, South Dakota. I'm like, I don't know America well, but I know those fucking places are not the epicenter of silent and culture. Yeah. And like, again, at me all you want, but I just know it. Like you're not wearing it, that, that you're seeing it on him and buying it. And you're just going, I buy that. I can be like him. Mm-hmm. The mindset, the mindset is like, it's, it's bonkers. It's a powerful thing that like that idolization part of it. I think at the time he was like sexiest man in the world by GQ. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, <laughs> it's up there and it, it's funny too. Cause like, if you want to make money in the United States for clothes, sell to the Midwest because huh. the people on the coast, they're fickle. They're easily, they're, they're more like stubborn in some of their ways. There's, you know, I think there's more of an insecurity based around that. But it's like when you look at brands, like, I mean, I've said this when I had the Buck Mason guys on and I'm like, oh, they, they crush it because dudes in Nashville and dudes in, yeah, Oklahoma and all these other places who have lots of money. Because they, I don't know, like repair houses or they run like a plumbing empire or whatever sort of like blue collar job that hits like a seven figure, you know, income that they're just like, oh, yeah, like my my I've said this before. My brother in law would spend more on clothes than me, but never realized it because one, he has more income and he just sees something and he just buys it. Like, it's just done. Like, for me, I'm just like, well, uh, I kind of already have this. Could I get a discount? Should I hit this person up? What sort of connection? Yeah. And he's just like, the jacket cost this. I purchase it. Done. And it's just like, oh, so <laughs> that's how you really make money in the States. Like, you just hit up mm. the Midwest and all these people are like, yeah, no mm. problem. Done. Stanley mugs. <laughs> done. The sta- oh my God, Stanley Mugs. You see this
1: woman the other day was like stopped and she like shoplifted yeah. like hundred like, fifteen thousand worth of Stanley Mugs in her car, whatever. Stanley Mugs, I mean, That's I remember TikTok this coming thing. up in, yeah, it came up at, like two weeks ago and I was like, what do you mean Stanley Mugs? And they're like a mug by this brand, Stanley. And I was like, you mean like Stanley, like who do the knives? Well, I grew up in the nineties using craft knives yeah. to build like Warhammer figures with <laughs> <laughs> that Stanley. And they're like, yeah, yeah, they made a mug. It went viral. I was like, wow, there's hope for us all. <laughs>
0: they made it's like half a billion dollars in sales off these fucking stainless steel mugs that are like ergonomic for your car and they have a very large plastic straw Mm -hmm. and you get them in different colors but that's the thing is like people in the midwest they're just like fuck yeah i'll do it you know you 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 penetrate target you look at all this stuff where it's just like i mean it's nuts uh yeah i don't know percival percival midwest do it
1: well yeah and i certainly think that like men especially they're like they see and then they buy yeah like i think as you you know we're part of a set of people who are probably super curatorial about what we like um but what we see in the data is if it rains guys like i'll buy a rain jacket yeah if it's sunny they're like short sleeve shirt I guess no one thinking about the fact that I don't know you might have a wedding coming up or you might have a holiday in five weeks time. They're like day before holiday, buy a shirt. Like it, that's just the
0: men's head just does that. And I think yeah, maybe the whole of the Midwest is just doing the same thing. I, I mean, it's it's wild, and it's it's funny. A friend of mine, he worked at a works at a men's retail store, and they do suits. And he's like, oh, it's the spring. We always hit wedding season. And he's like, the biggest thing that we started trying to do was to buy production slots instead of instead of basically like going to to send it. Because the reason why we're able to get so much business is not because of their like the style or anything that's made. It's because these guys come in and they need a suit for their own wedding in less than two weeks and he's always he's like i always ask them like when when did you decide the dates and they'd be like oh like three years ago and it's like so you waited till two weeks to (laughs) get your own fucking suit for the wedding and they're like dude i can't handle the lack of planning i can't (laughs) handle it she wants me to wear a suit yeah yeah man it's i don't know i mean i had my shit picked out like before i even was dating i was like fuck i'm gonna wear this sick sick navy suit man it's going to be dope um so
1: what have you what have you gone for what did, what did you get married in
0: i got married in a tom brown navy suit this was like 2011 i i was pretty pretty nuts for tom i i worked for them for mm. a tiny bit um and this was like when a lot of the stuff was made by Rocco it was next to the beggar's okay, office yeah, nice. so yeah, nice. you know i helped them like get their ecom or not their ecom their uh crm stuff set up okay, and yeah. There was like, you know, maybe six dudes that were working for TB at the time. And I was just, you know, I bought the $1,500 trickers. I I had like oh, wow. six, seven different Tom Brown suits. You know, I carried a fucking Samsonite briefcase like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you really role played, man. Yeah. I mean, it's the only way to live at the time. I was just like, well, might so- as well.
1: <laughs> Was it like a two two button? Yeah, two button,
0: three button, and then what? Yeah, three two roll. Th- th- yeah, all this stuff is basically yeah, okay. three two roll. Um, yeah. way too short. Um,
1: yeah, classic. So this is year twenty eleven. So it would have been all been maybe a touch too
0: tight. It w- it was too tight. Yeah, and I had I thought always they you know they told me they were like oh well, if you're gonna get married in this because also I would wear it you know I wore my suit for like half a year before I got married. In it, uh-huh. and uh-huh. the biggest thing that they did is they were like well if you're gonna get married why don't we change this suit up a bit and so they took the suit back and uh mm. and i regret this but they were like you know what do you what do you want to do to make this a little bit more like festive for your wedding and already i was like we're not doing a tux because i just was like i want to wear this a lot and so they yeah. uh changed the buttons out to white buttons
1: i was gonna i was literally about to say did they change the buttons to gold buttons, but, but white buttons? All yeah. white.
0: So I had a white buttons on the, uh, you know, on the sleeves and chest and everything. And, and, uh, man, I thought I was hot shit. And then I had a Michael Bastian cutaway collar, um, shirt and a, uh, like an old Brooks brothers tie and, and double monk shoes. <laughs>
1: But, but at the time, that is not what would have been the hot shit, though, man. Oh, I, yeah. And if I did, yeah. And I bet I would have, you know, seen it on Instagram with some mad filter on it. Yeah, oh, yeah. With, like, with like fake edges. Caption, did and a thing. Been, <laughs> yeah, yeah, did a thing. Uh, with loads of ha- unnecessary hashtags. Yep. And do you know what? I would have gone,
0: that guy's got it down. Yeah, I was I was quite proud. I had, uh, yeah, I remember because Antonio Changoli, who I think... think he was at michael bastion at the time when he did this Mm -hmm. or he was doing the gantt stuff yeah he was there and he had a uh because i I had all the groomsmen do navy jackets and chinos and so i was like look you can wear like there's you know because also if at least for us like you got to kind of buy your own shit and so i was like you can get this land's end canvas navy jacket for a hundred bucks or if you want to go nuts you know antonio went and had this like navy jacket made in naples and so yeah so he went all out um yeah and it was like blue oxford shirts navy jacket it looks like this kind of american prep thing which i don't know but now i I have a google home and i see the fucking wedding pictures all the time and i just want to rip it out of the wall so uh, yeah
1: it's the memories dude did you have wacky sock color
0: no i did do red socks a bunch because michael hill always wore red socks yeah, 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 and I was gonna. Say, I
1: yeah. was again. I was gonna say, did you do Red Sox? Yeah, but, uh, but the Red Sox kind of back. I feel like Drake's always hitting up the Red sock, The red mm-hmm. accent cardigan was it single vent, double vent?
0: Uh, vent? This was it was double vent. So
1: that's so doubles British.
0: Isn't yeah,
1: singles more American. Yeah, yeah. This, you know what, dude, own it. That was the coolest fucking
0: thing you could have done, and you did it. Well, I mean, thank you. We're we're still uh, kicking. You know, lots of different marriage counseling over the years, but we're hanging out, two kids <laughs> figuring the <this> shit out. <laughs> hey, man, who isn't? <laughs> yeah yeah so but yeah it's it's funny to to see that stuff because then right after that i got way obsessed with rick owens and i think oh wow yeah yeah um you did a full you did a full u-turn mm-hmm. well because i i was working with orlando bloom on stuff and he was super into rick and uh i was getting the rick showroom discount and so you know we were it was just nuts It was dumb, but like, I think only now, and I've talked about this a bunch where it's like, I don't think anyone can like confidently settle into their style until you hit like close to your forties because you have to like go through all these different, you know, motions of like figuring out who you are the same way people do with music. You know, I mean, it's like, it's, you just, you might go back to it on occasion, but there's, you're just not a confident human being unless you're some superhuman individual but I don't really know anyone who's like that at a younger age.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think like when I put together, I used to put together sort of creative direction for myself for like a six to eight months or for a year. I didn't know. I never had like a long term vision literally until I turned 40 and something clicked. And I was like, I just want to dress like a cool dad. Yeah. and what is that to me? That's like, how did Harrison Ford dress in the 90s? How did Ertan Senna dress when he wasn't in the car? How did, and like all these questions and put all these references together. And there was nothing in there that wasn't, that was contemporary. And I was like, ah, that's it. That's why you need the gene. You need that gene for life. Just own that gene. Yeah. You need that like, you need that like plaid shirt that you've just worn forever. And it's just like, it's so fucking cool. I tell you who does it. I love who does it. You know Aaron Levine?
0: Yeah, Aaron, lives, Aaron does great yeah
1: yeah yeah such a nice guy and what he's doing with Madewell men's at the moment is is great like it has to be a bit more fashion but he's like guys just do the you've got to just do these things in the silhouette the classic stuff i like i i met him just randomly in new york like i'd known of him for ages probably followed him and in Instagram and that stuff we'd had a few chats and then he just came into the new york store and i was on my way out to get like a whatever and he just appeared at the door and i was like whoa and he sat down chat for a couple of hours and i was like man that guy is just the guy And just the way he's just like dad core just owns it, wears it lives life. And it just, that's, I was like, yeah, that's what I, that's what I want to make. That's what I'm making. And I think like,
0: I don't know. No, I mean, I think, I think you're, you're dead on. I mean, Aaron, Aaron's definitely a very, very good example of that because he's also in a good way. Like, I think some of it is because he doesn't live in New York, even though he's there all the time working with all the different brands that he works with to where it's like you kind of get this. It's it's tough to do the all the, you know, the New York fits if you don't live in New York. And so it yeah. kind of helps you, you know, bring your style back down to things that are a little bit more um, wearable. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I think that stuff helps. And then also Aaron is just salt of the earth. Good dude. Like he's yeah. he's been in all the ups and downs that he's just yeah. like every day he's like man I'm just glad that people are hiring me and I'm like dude you're incredible you're super talented and he's I like know, no man I I'm, I'm always just and I'm like all right, come on but yeah it's yeah, yeah. it's that feeling
1: he's like he's like the definition of timeless I think doing something timelessly is very difficult and even like he could be 22 he could be 55 yeah you're like I don't know it's how that old fucking you are beard, man yeah yeah exactly he can hide. How long have you, he could be he 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 could be from the Victorian times. I don't know how old no. the guy is. He could be 200 years old, but just timeless. <laughs> doing timeless well is difficult, and yeah, I love a difficult brief. So yeah, I'm all, I'm all about timeless these days.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty great. So what what are the other things you do to keep you a little bit more grounded? Like what what's your you got a day off and you're not doing anything Percival. What what do you do? Man, I'm cooking. Cooking? Okay. Cooking, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think when you're doing personal, firstly, it's like the hours are insane. It's all encompassing. Yeah, You're doing like short-term thinking, long-term thinking. So switching those mindsets is stressful. You're doing creative like processing, and then you're doing strategic stuff, and then you're doing finance stuff, and Mm -hmm. then you're doing like development stuff, which is putting out fires. Everyone here is great, and they have their role, and they're doing it, but I'm in all of it because you have to be... And then you're talking to investors. Like right now, we're raising money. Ooh, okay. we're doing investment stuff. So like, it's always something. And when I go home, like I used to be DIY. Like we just renovated a house, and then I kind of gave up because it was so much effort. But I love building things. Just my hands making things. So the next level down is like cooking. And I'm just very lucky that my wife, who's from Iceland, happens to just be an amazing cook. And like I've known her for like 15 years or something now. And so the, she raises the bar all the time. Mm-hmm. She frustratingly can go to the fridge and be like, we've got some rocket, a lemon, a fucking half a piece of cheese. She could just then put, whip up something. And it always wound me up when I can't do things. I'm like, man, I've got to get some skills down. So I've gone down the route of, which is classic dad stuff, crafting different curries. Okay. So I'm I you know, I love my Pacific Asian food, mm-hmm. uh, like Vietnamese, Lao, Thailand. I love all of that. So like, I'm always grinding spices, toasting spices, grinding them down using the uh, the, uh, the the co- the pressure cooker for like four hours. Yeah, I love it. I love craft in a proper curry.
0: Oh wow! To the point
1: where now, if I go to like a Thai restaurant, I'm one of those absolute fucking wankers who goes,
0: "I could cook this better." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like someone's like two hundred year old recipe, and you're like, they're fucking this is awful." This is horrendous. I, I could do this so much better. Give me my, uh, give me my pressure cooker here. We got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Listen, I know they've got a Thai mum in the kitchen who's probably handed this down through four generations, but no, no, that's out of the way, out of the way, mum.
0: Cooking, I'll get behind your stove. That's the final frontier. I mean, so my my wife and I, we because we both work, we'll trade meals. It's like, okay, oh wait, like, you got this dinner this night, you got this thing, you know. Okay, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I I love to cook. We yeah, we renovated our kitchen a couple of years ago. And it's okay, crazy nice. when you're like, oh, I have all this space now. I mean, we did the yeah, whole yeah, open yeah. floor plan like every other goofball. And so yeah, nice. you know, you have all this like space to like cook and we got a giant like butcher block, like knife table to where you can just yeah, yeah, yeah. chop shit up all day. Um mm-hmm. it's great, you know. And then I um there's this app I use. It's like one of the only apps that we love called Paprika. And oh. it lets you skim. I mean, sorry, New York Times cooking or whatever. But it lets you skim all of these websites and it just pulls the recipe. So, you know how like you you uh, go to somebody's yeah. website and it's like you're just scrolling down for hours yeah, and there's with all these ads. Like, just... Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah. They, they tell then, you the, the recipes story. Up there. Yeah. Yeah, the met the method is right down there. Yeah. You're
1: like, wait, what was in the what was in the marinade?
0: Yeah. And then scrolling back yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it's I mean, no this is no free ads or anything, but yeah, it uh it just yanks all that stuff out. And so then- Mate, that's amazing. Yeah. And so, you, you know, and it's got little conversion tables for your, you know, because I'll yank something from like a British site and I'm like, I don't fucking understand the metric system. And so I'm like, <laughs> geez, I don't know, you know. Uh,
1: Dude, the metric system just is <laughs> divided by 10. It's so much easier. I when I get to
0: a US, I get to a US site and they're
1: like, it's 12 twelve eighths of a cup of I'm like, what? just tell me how many grams it is what the <laughs> fuck is going on with these guys? I agree
0: I mean I wish I wish we did it that that's my if I, if I ever went political man I would that'd be my thing is we we would yeah. adopt the metric system and uh but it's yeah you just yeah we're, we're fucked so whatever
1: you'd have you'd have an nRA on you. We measure our guns in inches, son. <laughs> This is
0: true. This is true. That I get. Uh, yeah. Next thing you know, some some sort of like anti-support or whatever. Um, yeah. what about music? What's what do you what do you listen to these days? So,
1: because it's been quite stressful this past couple of weeks, I always default whenever I get stressed. I default back into just listening to Chet Baker.
0: Okay, shoot some heroin. Because, there
1: you go. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and how weird that the sound is like the antithesis of what he was and what his life was like yeah. and how it's such a sad
0: chaotic drug addict god rest his yeah soul. yeah
1: but then it's like my funny valentine <laughs> <laughs> you're like wow and i love holding those two things i do find it just uh extremely relaxing to be honest because also i'm with my kid all the time in the car and she's like can you put on the trolls soundtrack or the and it's just, it's tough when you got a kid in the car, you know, you, Yeah, and you get your Spotify wrapped and it's like, how to train your dragon theme, <laughs> like, trolls, Pokemon intro, and then it's your songs. And then you're like, I can't post any of this because, uh, yeah.
0: Dude, I quit Spotify solely for that reason. Uh, okay. Because yeah. yeah. my, my kid learned how to use, we have this like Google Home or whatever. And she'll be yeah. like, hey, blank, play me, you know, um, Taylor Swift, whatever. And it, it'd be like all my, yeah, all my wrapped was like Moana, and yeah, yeah, disney yeah, stuff is yeah. yeah, frozen yeah
1: mate, she's jacking up your metrics in the wrong way yeah
0: she is and so i was like well i can't get rid of her so i just switched to title <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that's the first i haven't heard that in years is that still a thing it is well because i have i use this like dac which is like a, a digital audio converter so i can listen to shit high res so oh, right. i will listen nice. to like a lossless van halen and like lossless you know, stone right. so I can hear, you know, oh, them wow. trip over bottles or whatever dumb shit they were doing when they were recording. Um
1: whoa. Yeah. It, it, in so hard. Yeah, it's it's That's ridiculous. amazing
0: that yeah, I have this this bad addictive personality. I don't know how to understand anything unless I fully submerge myself into it. To you know, to where it's like, well, no. maybe I should read the book about how this was recorded and oh maybe I should learn about, you know, what was going on in their minds. Oh, like now I can really relate because this song was like a fuck you to Reagan. Okay, I get it. I get it. You know, and uh-huh, I'm just like, what uh-huh. am I doing? Yeah.
1: Do you ever unpack to a point where it like it, it like ruins the magic?
0: Yes. Everything. <laughs> Welcome to my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think in, in, a, in a good way, you realize that at the end of the day, you know, everyone is like pretty broken and is finding some way to be validated by, you know, a paternal relationship that went wrong to where mm-hmm. you're like, dang, like this whole person's life was because their dad just like wasn't chill and you're like okay yep. i get it like i totally get it and like that mm. becomes this great way to connect with people but um yeah i think it, it does take away some of the mystique when you think that some of these people are like supernatural musicians you know or artists that were like beamed down from heaven or something when it's like no this dude just like had a drug addiction mm.
1: and, it's- and, and, and then i knew the sort of maths behind how to make sounds work in a nice melodic order
0: yeah i mean basically uh but yeah yeah, i have that all the time i mean especially with with clothing designers uh and and any you know i mean because you realize that like at the end of the day these are also businesses You know, and so when you think, you know, everyone, when people talk about like Ralph Lauren or this or that, like, I think the more you understand the the reality behind the decisions that are made, you can, yeah, like you can just like feel more connected to them. You're like, oh, so you did this because you were running out of money and you did this to save your business and it worked. And now you can get back to what you're the most known for, you Mm -hmm. know, whether that's art or, you know, and I think when you find out, like I, I got really into Edward Hopper for years. And when you found out the dude basically was just like an illustrator at like an ad agency who just kind of like sucked and Mm. was down in the dumps. And his wife was the one who basically like made his career in terms of helping him get more notoriety and protecting his, you know, what he did and what he wouldn't do in terms of like art and commissions and really like nurtured him a ton. It's kind of beautiful, you know, And and it made me feel more connected to that art. Um,
1: it's hard. It's, it's so hard to balance that commercial need to run a business and and then the the, the creative itch that you want to scratch. Yeah. That, that you that you have. And yeah, I mean, I think it's that constant tension. Like I love unpacking creative process. Mm-hmm. And like I found that especially in uni, right, you were just designing stuff on computers, and it just kept annoying me. I was like, how? Like I'm making all this stuff, and it never, and no one ever sees it. Like there's something intangible about digital digitalization of stuff it's on screens and it's gone it just disappears where does it go and so as a student it would wind me up and i was luckily my first year I was in bristol UWE, which is in sort of Portishead, head where mm-hmm. the band is from and they had this amazing it's called like the print room essentially and it looked over like a deer reserve and i and i got to just you got shown the facilities and as soon as i saw it i was like oh my god i'm spending my whole time in this place and you could do um it wasn't just like lino cutting mm-hmm. they, had a sc- like a, they had a screen print set up And the guy, old school guy had been running it for years, he's probably still running it now. And he just would teach you how to do screen printing, but he would look down on you like an old, like a ramen master. He was just like, you better fucking learn the ropes in the screen printing room. And he just scared everyone off apart from me. I was like, man, I've got to learn this process. Process of screen printing, where you can only use a limited number of colours. It's very labour intensive. Really, I was like, man, I can only use two colours here. And it made me a better designer. And then in the letter pressing place, and you learn about sliding the tiny bits of like lead until they changed it to brass. And, And you slide these bits of brass in between. And then you start to understand that books were letter pressed by hand for like decades. And you're like, oh, I get why letters look like that and are spaced like that. Mm-hmm. You learn about, te- you know, you learn about the text rivers. How on negative space on certain characters looks like there's a big white space between them, so you can't set them at the same distance because it just looks like it's a separate word. And like just learning the manual processes from scratch, I had to like then in my second year. That's when I went to Hong Kong. It was purely digital. I really missed the manual side of it. But then I was like, okay, I feel way more comfortable designing on a computer because I just had understood how that was built up. And that's why now with the person will come back to like all the craft-based stuff. Can't help but get back into that that's like embroidery. There's an artist we work with called Sophie Hollington lives in Brighton. She does everything lino cut. It's amazing. And then it gets turned into a screen print and da 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 And everyone's like, she just drawn that on Illustrator. You're like, nah, she's fucking cut that out. Like I just, um, but yeah, And when you start unpacking that stuff and you get to the bottom of it, you're like, okay, where do I go? Okay, I just got to go straight back up again to where I came from.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's you know, like understanding where things really come from, you get a better way to create. I mean, versus a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, I just learned, I don't know, like I learned Photoshop and I learned layers. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, you know, learned the clone stamp. And I became this artist in a way. It's kind of cool the same way when people didn't have, cause I always like associate this to music when, you know, a lot of the garage rock and stuff like that, that came in, it wasn't because that like they were specifically going for that sound. They were limited by the resources and tools to make their art. And so you're like, Oh, this is cool. Yeah. You know, but Like when you understand, you know, like, like getting into the Beach Boys and the Beatles and like you realize this stuff comes back to like Bach, you're like, oh, shit, like, Mm. oh, these harmonies come from this or like perfect thirds and fifths that were like dictated by the fucking Pope, you know, because it was a holy, it was a holy (laughs) harmony and it made you closer to God. And you're just like, what? And God, you know it's there's stuff there that I, I think really does help give you an appreciation. And that same comes, same thing comes back when, you know, you look at like Rick Owens patterns and you're like, yeah, this is yeah. an incredibly difficult pattern that's cut and how it flows to this person. And I don't know, but like, I, I think about that, but that more than ever. You're yeah. right. That, that,
1: that's all over, uh, all over menswear and women's wear and fashion, you know, the Raglan sleeve is the best example of something that was deconstructed to work better for was it Lord Raglan who put this put the seam from the underside of the the, the underarm to the high neck point so yeah. they could
0: you're wearing a raglan sleeve a, yeah
1: yeah yeah so they could draw a rifle quicker yeah because the set-in sleeve and all of its like padding and stuff was just awkward to draw the rifle in battle and you're like wow that is the first sports thing ever <laughs> someone's ever invented like the it's just ergonomics yeah and like it's still called the raglan sleeve like that and all of fashion is that it's all coming from somewhere it's all from somewhere and like it's just how how obviously do you wear your references. Yeah, and I think like when references are too obvious, people get fucking torn to shit. But if a reference is obscure enough, people are like, they're a genius.
0: Yeah, that's a and really good point. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Do you get more optimistic about fashion when you see things like people like Pharrell making Louis Vuitton or do you get more pessimistic? Uh,
1: I feel like it's just changing and it's not for me. If you think about those luxury fashion houses, even 30 years ago, they would have been owned by families who did luxury stuff as a family business and had a cohort of extremely rich people that would come through by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Hermes is Hermes the last family-owned one potentially?
0: Yeah, but they're not. Um, I mean, they're not majority family-owned. The L- LVMH they've been slowly buying shares, you know, over years. Fine. Yeah.
1: And so, when you think about LVMH, what is their goal? Is to uh, make money. Yeah. And so, in in and now, if they're they're trying to cross-pollinate multiple regions that they want to get huge fucking sales from, which is probably like parts of the Middle East, parts of Asia, parts of Russia, probably limit, uh, some. A cohort of Europeans and some Americans as well. Yeah, who can you put in place that's both satisfies a Western demographic? Is does all the tip boxing? Is creative? Has a cohort of millions of followers at the same time and can export? Then it's a the perfect choice to make from a business point of view. They've probably absolutely nailed the brief. Yeah, canny design. It doesn't even matter.
0: <laughs> Pharrell. True.
1: Pharrell, though, happens to probably be a very creative guy who understands references, loves fashion, has always been in the fashion space. Da, 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 da. But he's kidding himself if he thinks that's the reason he's got the job.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> so I think, like, I think I saw, you know, I've seen some of the show. It looks good. It's like Western inspired, right? And yeah, fine. Yeah, fine. It's just fine. I'm not going to buy it. It's not for me, but I know exactly who it is for. And so is that disingenuous for them to do? Probably, but. That's definitely not the future of menswear or fashion, is it? It's like Aurélie, Le Maire, you know, people who just have a platform have been recognized and are now just crafting and crafting. It's always going to be those guys coming through that get bought out and eventually probably get diluted and torpedoed, and then a new <laughs> bunch of people will come through. And <laughs> So how long can LVMH hang on to those old principles and keep recycling it? Um, I'm not sure how much of the new generation of people will, a, have the money and the time. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how long, like, I'm talking like over decades, it's got and what they're going to do. You know, like a great example of people shifting really quickly was like NFTs. Oh, my God. Everyone remember like two years eight?
0: ago yeah
1: oh my god i mean adidas nft um i'm, I'm i swear to god who so everyone had an nft and my investor was like if you don't have an nft chris you'll fucking be an left behind and i'm just i'm just like i just swear it's not the thing
0: so uh, pharrell sure he's probably doing exactly <laughs> what they needed to do yeah i uh, that's yeah that's dead on so, uh, so that that being said, then what's your, uh, what's your, what's your multi-year Percival plan? You, you don't see yourself selling to LVMH anytime soon? It uh, d- depends. I don't want to be a starving artist. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, you want, you, know. you want to take care of your family and cook and make a living. Yeah, and, ex- and yeah, I, exactly, I get it. It's fair.
1: Um, yeah. I'd like to just probably, I would like to exit eventually, but Percival is not I am deliberately commercial about a lot of things. And so I, I think like people will see it or investors or people who would want to buy it eventually will see the data, the customer data. They'll see the repeat customers. They'll see the average right. order value. That, that, so they're looking at that. And, and I think like the brand value, like I love the brand and I'll make it. But if I ever sell it, it, okay, I'll sell it. And then I'll just start something else start again and probably if I had money, then I could be even more annoying about what I want it to be like. And I can just make things by hand. And I would love to just sit and make things by hand the whole day and make one offs and two offs and five offs and just be a real asshole about it. But I just, yeah, like you said, I got a kid who will only eat food if it's in the shape of a cat head. So I <laughs> <like> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We've got time.
0: No, I, I yeah. hear you. I, I think about that all the time. Like there's, there's this really good Paul McCartney quote, which love him or hate him. People were like, Oh, you know, what would, what are you going to do? And you know, this, this Beatles song, it wasn't owned by you. And how are you going to do this? And how are you going to do this? And he's like, look, at the end of the day, no one can take away from, you know, just my creative outlet. And he's like, I can just write another song. I can just, you know, like it, basically the concept was like as an artist not being so attached to your output and realizing that you'll always be an artist and so it's it's never about what you create it's about the fact that you can and i think about that so much
1: a hundred percent i've always thought that like people always rip each other off all the time like percival has done some bits people have stolen it and everyone's like what are you gonna do what are you gonna do like hey, what are you gonna sue, sue him? So, um. nah. <laughs> So let them have it. I'll just, you just, if you can't make something new, yeah, don't worry. And that's when it changed. Like, you know, Nike is suing everyone for the fly knit technology. Oh, Jesus. And they're they're, su- they're suing like all birds and they're suing everyone who's ever knitted anything and put it on a shoe. And i just like, huh. I mean, that is just proves exactly what they're about.
0: Yeah, I saw Levi's is suing Brunello Cuccinelli for the tab and it's like really the fucking tab heads up guys yeah. you're gonna to have to figure something else out get out the lasers on your jeans or whatever you're gonna do but mm, mm. let's let's exactly anyone can take this tab
1: and that's what it, exactly, it's just not about craft in any way shape or form no matter what you say I'm trying to protect my interest protect my ip but it's like man don't worry yeah just, uh, there's a there's another one you know what was it tom brown the tom brown four stripe was it on the sleeve
0: yeah well because here's but, the thing it used to be two stripes and then it was three mm-hmm. stripes. And I remember I had Tom Brown, you know, Lockheed cashmere cardigans that were three yeah. stripes. And wow, you were a three-stripe three era. I, I had, oh yeah, fuck yeah, I had the two and the three. And then they switched to four to, you know, because like the Adidas thing has been going back and forth for years. Yeah. You know, and Adidas was like, hey, pa- <laughs> cut, cut it out. And they're like, all right, well, fuck you, we'll just add another stripe. Done. <laughs> fast forward 10 years there's like seven stripes and it's still going on well and the funny thing was early on and uh i do not know this for a fact i'm air quoting there to protect my ass thanks for the Mm -hmm. errors and omissions and insurance that we have now but um they were like look fine you can do this but you can't make athletic wear and tom brown was just like yeah of course not we're not gonna make athletic wear who the fuck wants that meanwhile the biggest demand when he was when they were purchased by the japanese company i think it was cross or whatever it was at the time. Um, mm-hmm. They were like, we want sweatpants. And they were like, shit, how do we do this? Because we need to circumvent any sort of Adidas thing. We can't really make athletic wear. Mm. And they're like, hmm, we'll just make this, we'll call it like tailored whatever. And so they did it mm. and it was fine. And then Adidas came back around again. They're like, hey, you're making athletic wear. You can't really do it. You know, but it's like, really? I, tell me the person who walked in and was like, I'm looking for Adidas. Oops, I accidentally spent 700X and I got Tom Brown." Like, it just doesn't happen. It's so silly.
1: Is it, is it the 30-pound sweatpants, or is it the 500-pound wool everyday easy wear trouser?
0: Hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah I, you're it's, not,
0: it's unbelievable. Isn't,
1: your column A, column B are pretty different, I'd say.
0: Yeah, so anyway, I digress. Chris, great to meet you. Thanks so much for coming on, man. We'll see you.
1: Mate, Jeremy, loved it. Good to see you, man. Hopefully see you soon. I'll come to New York.
0: Yeah, all right. You've been listening to Blammo. Our show is produced by Blammo Media. We're edited by Amar Lull and our theme music, as always, by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you heard, you know the drill. Share the pod with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars or thumbs up on whatever other thing you're listening to us on, whether it's Dingledorp or Bing Bong, whatever it's called. But you can also follow us on Instagram for all the hot content. If you want to talk to us and give us your hot take, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at info at Last but not least, super ultra important. If I had a air horn, I would press it right now. You gotta come and join us over on Patreon because the fun never stops over there. Look, the the, the live show, the 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 free show, whatever you want to call this, we take breaks here and there, but Patreon, it never stops. And we also got exclusive shows like Die Workwear hosted by Derek Guy and Peter Zatolo, and the Triple J Show, hosted by Yours Truly, with uh John Moy and Gene Deleon. There's there's just a ton of stuff over there. So check it out at patreon.com forward slash blamo. If not, no worries. We got hundreds and hundreds of free episodes in the feed and uh, more to come. So we will see you all soon.